Guten Morgen, wir freuen uns hier zu sein. Now, who understood that sentence? Raise your hand. Okay. I already met Al, so I knew he'd understand. Yeah. Okay, that's what I would say if I was going to, to be a guest speaker at a church somewhere in Germany. Uh, what I, all I was saying was, I'm, I'm happy to be here. And uh, I am, and I'm thankful for this opportunity. Uh, and I, I really, I'm amazed at how open and honest and, and, and hospitable you are. You know, it, it just shocked me because I woke up this morning and I saw you even brought in German weather. <laughs> wow. You know, the more I've been in this world, around this world, the more I see things are changing. And a lot of these things that are changing are not good. I was just thinking about the other day, you know, things that were maybe 15, 20 years ago were not a topic, not even they're here, and they're among us. Uh, just a couple of examples, you know, more and more people who grow up saying, you know, I don't really believe in God. More and more people who, who agree it's okay to be married if you're homosexual, these topics that, you know, 20 years ago, this is not a topic. More and more people come who have a different religion, foreigners among us, and this is something in Germany that we're really dealing with. There's a, there are a lot of Muslims living in this country, and it's, it's changing our world. Some people think, you know, this is terrible. Man, this, this, you know, you know, this country is going to pot. You know, I was just in Colorado, and well, that's true there, I guess. <laughs> you know, when these things happen, how do you react? You know, sometimes we can be tempted because, you know, when you think about it, I like this picture. That's kind of why, how we can be it sometimes. It kind of scares us what's happening. And what we can do is, or the temptation can be that we will kind of back up and kind of close ourselves out from all this stuff we don't like. We, we isolate ourselves from, from that which is ungodly. And we hang out with people that we agree with, that are fun to be with, that we are comfortable with. And that's how we live our life then. That's the temptation. You know, but if we're followers of Christ, we've got to resist that temptation. Because we're called to be salt and light in this world. And so as this... this This world is changing, and we're seeing, I think, in some ways, people who are becoming more aggressively anti-Christian. Maybe we don't feel it here in the South, but it's there, and it will come. And as this is happening, and it's happening in Germany, I have really grown to appreciate the first letter of Peter. You know, Peter's writing to people who live in a world that is not Christian that is anti-Christian, where the idea that you say Jesus is Lord can be a death penalty sentence. These are people who are excluded, secluded, alienated from society, from family. And he's writing to them to encourage them. 
Because I'm sure some of them are saying, okay, I'm, ta- I'm, saying, I'm just saying here, Jesus, I believe in Jesus, he's my Lord. And they're, they're losing jobs, not invited to family parties. Maybe they're saying, you know, why should I be doing this? What am I doing this for? And, and so Peter writes them this letter, and he, he's encouraging them to, to be faithful, not to forget. And so one of these things is remember. You know, so he starts off his letter <clears throat> pointing their minds upward. He says, we have something great waiting for us. He talks about an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, something really great that's coming. It's worth it. You know, we're having trouble, he says. That's okay. It'll help you to really appreciate what's coming. God's working through these. Then he reminds them, remember what it costs you. We just talked about that. He talked about it, okay? You were ransomed with the precious blood of Christ. Don't forget that. This was something special. And these words are words we need to be hearing today, and we really need to be thinking about them. And, and, and so it's something that, that, that I'm learning to appreciate more and more, especially the words in chapter 2 that we'll be looking at today, in chapter Peter, 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. You know, he, he tells them, okay, there are people out there who don't believe. Well, it didn't start with them. The Jews didn't either. They rejected the cornerstone. They rejected the stone, it became the cornerstone, and we have something precious. So 1 Peter 2, verses 9 and 10, he reminds them who they are. You know, uh, we have a problem in our day and age. I, I think it's an epidemic. I think I remember a psychologist saying that. It's called an inferiority epidemic. It's because people don't know who they are. They don't know the value they have as a person. And they try to prove it, and then they get knocked down. They get rejected, and then it just knocks them down, and they don't, they, and they don't feel valued. And Peter wants to correct that, because that can happen to us too. We've got to remember who we are and where we get our value as Christians. So let's read these verses. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people of God, but now you are the people of God once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, you've got to let these words sink in. You cannot just take these words and say, okay, I got them, go on. You know, there, there is a process that we have to go through to let these not just be here, but they've got to be here. And so let's look at what Peter says to the Christians there. The first thing he says, you are a chosen people. That's the first thing he says. Chosen people. You know Chosen people, you say, okay, that's Israel and all that, but I think a chosen, I have, I have a special picture in my mind, okay? I played sports growing up, you know, those pickup games, football or basketball, you know, you go there and, okay, let's pick up teams. 
And usually, when you're doing that, you know, there's one guy who's really good. And he usually picked first, or he's the one picking. And you're thinking the whole time, okay, man, if I could just get on his team, and, and then I would win the game. And how good you feel when he says, okay, you're on my team. You know, I'm, I got two bigger brothers, and so I go with them. And sometimes the real, only reason I got picked was because I was their brother. You know, sometimes it was like, you know, I was, a, I was, a, I was, a, I was little when I'm not, I wasn't always big, okay? I was little growing up for my age. So they're all saying, okay, you want him? No. You take him. No, you take him. That's not a good feeling. But God says, you know, now, now transfer that to, to God, the king of kings, the creator of the universe, who says, I'm taking you. You're chosen. You're on my side. You know. And all these people in, at Peter's time that are, that are hurting, they're outcasts, they're ridiculed, they've they got to remember we're on the winning side. Isn't that what Paul said? We're on the winning side. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have it. It's not here yet. It's coming. But we're the winners. Could say, in some way, God's fixed the game. He's, he knows who's going to win at the end. And we're on the winning team. That's what it means if you're God's chosen people. What else does he say? He says, you're a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. Think about royalty. You know, I thought about that. I thought royalty. Remember, we, we are children of the king. And then I'm, I remembered, you know, some, there's some Disney movies that our, our kids watched. And, and one of them that I really liked, I didn't like all of them, but one of them I really liked was Lion King. So whoever, who has seen Lion King? I hope more than one or two, okay? So I, the, my favorite scene is, you know, Simba's run away. He's, he's, he's become an outcast because he thinks he's guilty. And, and he has this, this vision. You know, this, this weird monkey or whatever it was comes to and talks to him, and, and he has this vision. And in the clouds, he sees his dad. And what is his message his dad wants to give him? He said, remember, you are the son of a king. You're not just... A plain old animal running around doing stuff. You have, a, you have a special calling. You're royalty. And people, if we have come to Christ, he's made us anew, brought us into his family. That's a royal family. We are his children. Children of the king. Royalty. He talks about a priesthood. I'll get to that later. But remember that. And he talks about a holy nation. I love this picture. I just had to get it in there. A holy nation. A whole, you know, holy got a bad name. You know, holy, they, they kind of think, okay, you're kind of weird. You know, you do all uh, goody two-shoes. You know, or, or, or he's kind of extra special. And it's just not me. But actually, you know, if you think about it, what holy really means is just that God has taken you out of the world, into his keys, placed you apart for his purposes. 
And you're there, and you were here in his kingdom for a reason. That's what holy means. You know, think about it. I love this scripture. Ephesians 2.10. We are his workmanship. Created, created in Christ Jesus for good work. He has a purpose. He wants to do something good through you and me. He has something he wants to do. Wow. And then he something, says something I really like. You're God's special possession. I like that. You know, think about that. Special possession, okay? You kind of know what's special uh, with people's attitudes toward it. You know, okay, you lose a pen. Are you going to look for it? Well, maybe. Okay, you lose your car keys. What are you going to do? You're going to tear the place down finding these car keys because they're special. That's my car. Okay, that's the whole idea behind this is we're special. And if you read Luke 15, that's the whole idea that, that Jesus is trying to get across is God is out there. He's looking. He's looking. Why? Because you are all, every one of you special. We've we got to get that in, in to hearts, into us. We are his special possession. We are a chosen people, a holy nation. We are a royal priesthood. Peter wants us to know who we are. Why? Because then we don't make our identity of who we are based on what others say, but on what God says. And when that's the case, then it's not such a big deal when they come and say, hey, you're a Christian. Hey, you're a jerk. Okay. Because we know whose we are. We've got to grasp that. You know, and afterwards, you know, he says, you know, you know, it's interesting in the, in the verse of folly, we won't get into that, but he says, you know, abstain from the passions of the flesh, you know, live holy lives, the conduct that's good for pagans, and he, he gets all these commands, but the commands are based on who we are. You know, when we, when we get into commands, you need to do this, don't do that, we always need to remember why. Because we are God's people. We are a chosen people, a holy nation by God's grace. By God's grace. And then we're saying, okay, why? Why is God doing all this? You know, is he doing this so he can put me up on a pedestal and he can say, look at this super duper Christian guy. No. He wants to do something. He has called us for a reason. We already mentioned that. And it has to do with the idea of a priesthood. You know, it's interesting when we think about it. Okay? We get to the priesthood, and, you know, we use this passage, we say, okay, uh, that means, you know, this idea of having priests in, in the church and stuff like that. We're all one. We're not, there's not this clergy laity thing. That's true. But then someone said, well, what does that mean? That if we're all priests, do we need to all go wearing robes around here or what? You know. And so I started looking at it, and I come up with two things. What the priests did in the Old Testament that apply to us, okay? Number one, they come before God for the people. You know, they bring the burnt offerings and the blood and all that. We don't need to do that. I'm thankful for that. But they came before, we call it intercession. They had that job. They come before God for the people. 
When we do that, we pray for those among us who are sick, who are hurting. But you know, there's another side of that intercession that sometimes we miss. Because I think about, I would guess, about everyone here has a family member, a relative, a co-worker, a student, someone who does not know Jesus. Are you interceding for them? God has called us to that. God has called us to that. And, and Paul even, even knows how important that is. You know, he said, Colossians chapter 4. We'll get to that. This is the second one. They go before the people of God. What does it say in Colossians chapter 4? Pray for us that God will open the door for the message. Now, if Paul thinks it's important to pray so that we can further the gospel, so we can talk to our neighbor, so that we can speak to a, a, a cousin or whoever it is, don't you think it's important for us too? Because prayer changes things. Now, I don't understand how that all works. You don't understand how prayer works, but you don't have to understand it to do it. So God is calling us to intercede, calling us to work. And the second one is just as important. You go before the people for God. You know, you come before God for the people, and then you go before the people for God. And so the priests in the Old Testament go to the people. They explain the laws. They tell them what to do. And, and, This is very important. In the Old Testament, God wanted that to be the way that all people who were his people could be a light for every nation around them. The Israelites didn't figure that out. But we're called to do that same thing. We're called to come before God for the people, to ask for intercession. And we're called to go before the people. And that's what Peter even says here. He goes, you are this, that you may declare the praises of him you are called to darkness and to warm light. That is what it means to be a priest. To go to people and say, man, don't we have a wonderful God? This this God is so great. He has done so much for me. Now, it doesn't say that you can go give all the answers to all the questions this world ever came up with. It just says, hey, we got a great God. Isn't it worth it to tell about it? We, are, we, we serve a great God. It's a God who's called us out of darkness into light. It's a God who has forgiven us, who sent his son. I mean, we, we stand here every, every week. We, got people, we stand or we sit and we gather around these tables and we're remembering the great sacrifice on the cross. And Jesus, it's like Jesus saying, don't leave it here. Take it with you. Because there are other people who need to know it. <clears throat> There's a lady in our church in Hildesheim. We've known the last few years. She is a foreigner. She is from Kosovo, she is from the Roma gypsies, and she is, uh, cannot read or write. In our society, she's way down low. She came to Christ. 
And I was, I, I, meet, I was meeting with her once a week. To, I would read the scripture for her because she couldn't. She'd hear it. And she says, you mean, you know, she says, I'm, gonna, I'm going to visit my family. And I want to tell them about this, about the, the love of God and this wonderful church that has embraced me and made me feel like I'm part of a family. And my first thought is great, and then my second thought is, oh, the family's Muslim. She could get in a ton of trouble. I said, are you afraid of what they're going to do to you? And she said, and, and I'll never forget it, just her whole attitude, well, they may not like it, but they need to hear it. And I thought, wow. You know, I know some people who have doctors and, and studied and, and it's wonderful worldly success who are Christians, but they didn't get it. But she got it. She got it. I'm thinking, wow. You know, we serve a great God. And, and the one thing she could appreciate, she was really, she, this sentence, darkness and the light, she said, I understand that. Do you understand that? You know, we, I mean, we have so much as followers of Christ we are chosen people, a special possession, royalty. He's given us so much. And if we know who we are, then we can go out without fear. And not worry about how others react because they need to know it. Let's do that, people. Let's, do, let's be people who are called to go out. You know, he's, God's given us so much. Let's do that. And if you, I mean, there may be some here where you, say, you can't say that. Maybe you're not, you haven't chosen to follow Christ. You're not part of this people. But that, and that's the great thing about that last sentence. You, once you're not, but it's real easy to become people of God. It's real easy to receive his mercy. Now's the time. There's people going to be here to pray. If you want to come and receive his mercy, become part of the chosen people. This is your chance as we stand and sing.